0: A better way to do this let me show you a better way you don't have to be another face in the crowd. and we are live welcome to another episode of the survival podcast friends and neighbors it is episode 31 uh, 97 Thursday, November the third, 2022, and we've got we're going to have kind of a fun one today. I want to come out of the gate with telling you uh, tomorrow. Obviously, it will be a Friday Expert Council Q and A show that ends the week. I always record that on Thursday. Uh, tomorrow, instead of having a day off, I'm going to be doing uh, six rewinds. So next week will be all rewinds and the Monday after the event so that my voice can recover from what I have to do for that, that half a week. Part of it uh, is going to be a rewind as well. Then we'll be back with live streams and stuff like that. So just so you know that's coming, if you are coming to TSP Fall 22, uh, I will have information coming out tomorrow. Most of it's information I've already put out, but maybe some of you missed it. You should pay attention. Uh, you should always... All of you guys should be on the the event Telegram uh, group because I use that as my main communication kind of after sign-up. If you want to come, it's too late because it's sold out. But actually, actually somebody uh, got in touch with me today and said they're not going to be able to come. At this point, I'm this close to the event. I don't get heavily involved with that kind of thing. I, I don't refund deposits when we're less than a week out. I really can't. Uh, but if somebody wants to come and can make the time to come and you email me, I will put you in touch with this guy if he hasn't already sold. Because I said go to the Telegram group. And that's another reason to be in the Telegram group because then you find out if somebody wants to sell a seat for some reason. And I see Rachel made it from Allentown, PA. I used to live just north of Allentown, Rachel, in a little place called Northampton. And uh, I also did, many, many years ago, an episode of the Survival Podcast about the song Allentown by Billy Joel. You might want to look that up at survivalpodcast.com. So, yeah, we're going to talk about blue checks losing their minds today. Uh, the changes Elon's made to Twitter. Ask the question, is he going to punk out? People are like, you already did. I, I'll, I'll give the guy some time. I'll give my thoughts. I'll never talk about the new program that they have. Why well, I think it's actually genius. And why I will probably use it unless something goes haywire with it. Um, we're going to talk about the Bird Army. What's the Bird Army? You're going to find out. The Bird Army fact-checked the White House, embarrassed the White House, and the White House took down a tweet. Yeah, so there is a change already, even though it may not be the change everybody wishes to see. Uh, Joe Rogan, we're going to talk a little about his comments about the coming red wave. Uh, I'll, if you haven't heard it yet, I'll just, I'm going to play it for you, so I won't tell you what he said, but it was it was vintage Rogan, man. It was just perfect. Um, we're going to ask a simple question. Will Democrats learn anything from the ass-beating they're about to receive? Will Republicans learn anything from the ass-beating they're about to give? And the answer to both of those I'm going to say is a no. We'll just hit that real quick. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about fuel shortages. I want to help mitigate this whole, we only have 25 days crap, but I also want to say it's not not a problem either. Uh, I did talk about this with Nicole and John on uh, Tuesday Uh, coffee chat, but that's not part of my podcast, so many of you maybe didn't hear it. Uh, We're going to talk about the fact that the United States has admitted, admitted officially, that we have boots on the ground in Ukraine. But don't worry, they're just inspecting U.S. weapons systems, that's all. We're only there to advise. I'm going to dust off a little bit of not-so-ancient history, 1950s, 60s Vietnam. We are only there in advisory capacity, and where that led and why this would be much worse if it led the same way, and history is rhyming once again. On Tuesday's Bitcoin show, I talked about pennies and how pennies used to be made with copper, and now they're made with zinc. I'm going to retell a piece of that, because I think it's an interesting thing, and I know many of you guys don't tune in for Bitcoin stuff, right? So I never really thought about this before. The penny change in 1982 was yet another default on U.S. currency. And guess what? We may not be able to afford to make pennies for the cost of a penny soon. Seriously. that's like The the whole thing has happened again. I don't know what's after zinc for cheap shit that will last as coinage, but we will get to that today, too. And I'm going to finish up with why I fired a customer yesterday. Basically, because he was robbing from you guys. And uh, this is just the way I do business. So... Anyway, I wanted to um, remind you guys about our sponsors of the day today. First up, though, John uh, Pugliano with InvestableWealth.com and the Wealthsteading podcast at Wealthsteading.com. John is an amazing guy. He's worked with our community. He's, he'll have an expert counsel segment tomorrow. He's been doing expert counsel Q&A stuff for as long as I've had an expert counsel. That's like almost a decade. I first met him in 2010 in Salt Lake City, Utah at a prepper convention. Really great guy, really switched on, really smart, covering a lot of stuff, what's going on with financial insanity in the markets right now. And uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guy. It's somebody you should get to know. He has a great podcast. You should subscribe, check out his websites, et cetera, if you have not already done so. And remember, because we badgered the hell out of John, the Wealth Studying Podcast is available on the Fountain app, and you can, in fact, uh, send value for value to John. So please consider doing that. And I'll tell you what, it's actually hit him how cool Fountain is because of the boostograms and getting the messages and the feedback. He said that means way more to him than the sats. So if you haven't subscribed to the Studying Podcast, please do. And send him some sats if you are on a podcasting 2.0 app. Next up today, BulkAmmo.com. You know, I say it all the time because it's true. If you have a gun... A big old scary gun like this right here, right? If you have a gun like this and you don't have any ammo for that gun, you know what you have? You have an expensive club. That's what you have. You have an expensive club. You do not have a gun. You have like law says you have a gun, but it can't do what a gun's supposed to do. You need to stock up on ammo while you can, and right now you can, you can do it at a bulk at bulk ammo. Sponsor that's been with us for more than a decade. Discount for members of my discount program as well. So check them out today. Remember, you can find out more about my discount program called the Member Support Brigade by going to the com and clicking on members or putting forward slash members in. Uh, and then one more thing today. I know I'm always on you guys about the fold card, but they announced something yesterday. And if you've been uh, holding out, good for you. Because since you held out, you get something really cool. If you go to my website, thebitcoinbreakout.com forward slash fold, and you sign up through my link there for fold and and join my spin squad, once you sign up and request your card, they will give you 20,000 sats. What's the catch? There is no catch. You just have to do it before November ends. So November just started. Go ahead and do it. Start earning Sats back on all the stuff you're spending money on anyway, and again, go through my link to get twenty thousand Sats. There's a link in the video notes below for that as well. I've always said if you're not using Fold, you hate money. Well, when they up it from five thousand free Sats for signing up to twenty for the month of November, and you're about to do a bunch of Christmas shopping and you don't do it, you really hate money, and it'll help me out. There, uh, instead of just being on my Spin Squad. For this promotion, if you use somebody's link, they get 10,000 sats when you sign up too. So let's get some sats together. All right, let's dig into this. So I want to start out with the Twitter meltdown of the blue checks. For those of you that don't know what's been going on, the uh, the new owner of Twitter, Elon Musk, has decided that every human has a right to be verified if they choose to be so, which should not be a surprise because he said this back in the spring when he started talking about doing this. And I I really didn't understand how much these people that they call the blue checks, especially the liberals among them, have turned toward thinking a blue check is a status symbol. (laughs) Pardon me, sir, would you have any gray coupon? But of course, let me move my blue check out of the way while I hand it to you through a limo window. That's what these people think. I did not know that they really thought they were this important, but apparently they did. And now that Elon is making it available to the poor's, there's all kinds of, well, anger and animosity. And, but my favorite one, my favorite one is Elon just absolutely owning AOC. Um, so AOC being the dim, the dim bulb that she is said, laughing my ass off at a billionaire earnestly trying to sell people the idea that free speech is actually $8 a month subscription plan. M- Elon responded to AOC and said, your feedback is appreciated. Now pay $8. Now there's, I I, I I, wanted to like say, hey, AOC's got this wrong because she has everything wrong. She had Romans or Beak about. out. Um, is it your Beak when you're on Twitter? I guess it is. Anyway, uh, but the own there by Elon I wanted to let that hit first. All right, so this program is not paying eight dollars for free speech, and this beanhead cannot comprehend this, right? And I actually think in this case, as dumb as she is, she does. She's just coming up with something to mouth about. Stephen King said, "If you start charging me eight bucks for my blue check, man, I'm out of here." Dude's worth five hundred million bucks, literally five hundred million dollars. Worried about eight bucks? Here's the thing: none of these rich assholes are worried about the $8 as far as it cost. No. They're worried that other people have the ability to obtain something that they got that, they, that stroked their freaking ego. And I've noticed something. I don't see a single person that I would classify as right-wing, that I would classify as an anarchist, that I would classify as a libertarian who has a blue check already that's upset about this. Not a, I can't find I looked. I couldn't find one. Um, but yeah, they're, they're, they're having a meltdown about it, but here's the thing. It's because they don't comprehend what the fucking purpose of this thing was in the first place and how it pertains to other people. So being verified is not a status symbol. When you go to your bank and you open up an account and they're like, before we give you a bank account. Can you prove that you are who you say that you are so we're not giving a bank account to somebody that's going to use it for illicit shit? Are you like, I was verified, right? No. Verification is so that you guys don't get screwed because what do I put up in almost every episode that I'm about to put up right now on this screen? We will never contact you for any personal information or private chat, et cetera, in the video comments. Just because you see my logo does not mean that it's me. So, I also saw a financial advisor, and I found this to be really enlightening because he did at least get right the purpose of the verification. He said this was very valuable. This was very valuable to my clients because it prevented them from being defrauded by others who could pretend to be me. But I will have to pass on paying you $8. And I said, you know what? If I was your client and you just basically said I'm not worth an investment of $8 a month. I would have to pass on you because I'm going to do this program for a variety of reasons. But the primary reason is on almost a daily basis, be it Twitter, be it Instagram, be it YouTube. I hear from somebody in my audience saying there's a person out there pretending to be you trying to get personal information from people. So I'm not the average person. I'm not huge. I'm not big enough, apparently, to earn my blue check the way that they earn their blue check. I saw some, some guy you today about how he earned his blue check. He literally has no purpose in life other than his dad was a professional athlete. But he earned it by being born to a professional athlete. Like, shit like that, right? So I, I guess that even though when I looked at the requirements to get verified, and they were things like a Google Trends report that shows that people are looking for your name on an ongoing, regular basis, uh, articles written about you in the public space that are from actual legitimate news sources. Et cetera. Like, I have all of it. I sent it all in, like, three times. I've never heard back. So I'm not important enough. Well, that's what they think. And I don't care what they think. I care about you, my audience, and I would like you to know on any social media platform, whatever means are available, if it's reasonable in cost and what I need to do to have a thing that officially says I am who I says I am, I will do it so that when you see that, you know that you're talking to me, right? That's the purpose of this in the first place. And that's always been what it was supposed to be. But what happened is over time, since they controlled who was important enough to get it, they turned it into a status symbol in their own freaking mind. Now, this is why I think it's a brilliant program. I'm about to show you something. And this also speaks to the blue checks, lack of connection to reality. So some of them were also smart enough to do a little bit of mathematics, so after they complained that you would have access to this thing that they earned, they went out and figured out well how many people got a blue check on, on Twitter. Turned out it's about 400,000. Now Elon has said the purpose of this is to, to loosen Twitter's dependence on advertisers so that they're not completely beholden to advertisers. So when half the advertisers want to leave, they go goodbye, and if you ever want access to our people again, you're welcome back. And so what they did is they multiplied 400,000 times eight bucks, and they looked at Twitter's multi-billion-dollar ad revenue and said, yeah, that's not going to cut it. Hey, you mental midgets, do you really think that what Elon Musk is looking for is eight bucks from 400,000 assholes who already have their little status symbol, who's already said that if you are a legitimate public figure, you'll have a separate kind of badge or something for that, since you need that to stroke your freaking ego, you know? What do you guys always say about us when we want guns, right? Oh, your dick must be small. I don't know, dude. If you're really triggered over a blue chick, you must be tiny, all right? Teeny, tiny, right? Anyway, let's not go to their level. I just, eight bucks times how many? So I thought this was interesting. I did a poll. Now, my audience is admittedly less of a bunch of entitled little bitchy bastards than the average group of people off the street in America. They're a lot more value-for-value value oriented. They're a lot better read. They're a lot better informed than the average idiot off the street. So I'm sure my numbers are a little bit skewed. But here's what I said. I said, if Elon Musk offers verification, other perks, et cetera, like priority reply, which means your replies will be more likely to be seen, for eight bucks a month, and that can be used to help you filter bots, etc. what best describes your opinion? I will pay for it. I like it, but I won't pay for it. It should stay as it is. I'm moving to Canada, which basically means I'm claiming I'm leaving. 4% of people said they're moving to Canada, and I think it's because they just didn't care and they thought it was funny, uh, most of them anyway. It should stay as it is. I'll take that as is as, as a real number, 3.6%. Call it 4 I like it, but I won't pay for it. I think that's the most important number, 63% of the people in the poll said they like the idea, but they will not personally pay for it. And 29% said that they would pay for it. Now, again, I think my audience is going to poll higher than the average Twitter user would. I really do. But those numbers are actually, even if we mitigate the shit out of them, really impressive. I'm going to explain how that works out. So right now, supposedly, there's 400 million people that use Twitter. Okay? Right? (laughs) Right? That's a few. That's a few. Now, let's say that the Twitter bot problem is way worse than they said it was to Elon, which it looks like it was. And 25 percent of them are not real. That's 300 million. Now let's take Jack's poll and and, and kick it back by a, a factor of 10. And go from 29% say they'll pay for it and make it 2.9% say they'll pay for it. So I'm my audience is 10 times more likely to pay for it than the general Twitter audience. Guess what, boys and girls? That's a lot of freaking people, isn't it? Anybody want to do that math right now? To make it real simple... Do 2% of 300 million. You should be able to do that in your head. Anybody want to put it in there so I can not type while I'm talking here and just put it up on the screen? 2% of 300 million users are willing to pay. And I want to talk about why I would be willing to pay for this, right? So I already said, number one, an investment in you. An investment in you, my audience, to protect you from predatory assholes who pretend to be me. I've had to have two fake accounts. There it is. So I have farm boy. Got it getting hard. That'd be six million people at eight bucks a month. Anybody want to do that math and get that one? Ex- right. So six million at $8 a month times 12 months a year. And when you hear what I'm about to say, you, you're going to understand why that month, mu- that number might end up being a hell of a lot bigger. Right. So one, I want to protect you guys. I want to protect you guys. I don't want you guys scammed. And I don't want people that just found me to get scammed because that hurts me and them. So that's, that's, so number one, $8 a month of insurance to protect my audience that happens to follow me on Twitter, because there's almost 20,000 people that follow me there is worth it to me. I don't care that Twitter thinks maybe I need 175,000 followers to rate a blue check. You're worth it. But what else am I looking at? I think you're going to have two types of people that do this. You're going to have people like me that are influencers, Okay, you have people like me that are influencers, uh, that are brands, that are businesses, right? And what is the first question you guys think I ask myself when I look at funding in my business that I'm going to spend out of my business? What, do you, as a capitalist, an anarcho-capitalist, what is the first question I ask? Is this a good investment? So I've already said it's enough of an investment to be an insurance plan to prevent one of my people from getting hurt because that can damage me more than 8 bucks a freaking month. One of my people getting hurt, I can lose that person who was a super fan because they're just mad about it. And that person might have spent, you know, a, a, a couple, couple, three days of salary with me for 30 years if I hadn't lost them. So that alone is worth it. But if I didn't think that my ROI by using Twitter as a marketing platform – netted me more than $8 the way it is now, do you think I would spend one second there? Do you think I'm there because I like it? Or do you think as a business person, as a brand, as an influencer, as a podcaster, I'm like, I'm growing my business by being engaged. I'm there more than I ever have been since I started doing Bitcoin Breakout because it's where all the Bitcoin discussion is. And I've been able to book guests like Guy Swan. I've been able to book guests like Texas Slim. I've been able to book guests like Adam Curry. I've been able to book guests like Natalie Brunel by using Twitter. So what's that worth to me? So if you make it so I have a better ability to connect with people on Twitter, like if I can bypass the shit ton of crap that they get all the time from people they just don't have time to respond to because I'm at least legitimate in their eyes of I'm paid to play. Do you think that's worth eight bucks to me? And if I get priority reply, meaning that my responses will be seen more by people I'm trying to connect with, do you think that I see that as worth $8 a month? See, I think most of the people, most of the people who who spend money for Twitter are going to be brands, influencers, and companies. And honestly, I think if you're putting any effort into Twitter campaigns – And by government officials, all that shit too, right? Anybody who's seeking an ROI, it will be almost, you'll have to be dumb based on the preliminaries of what Elon says you're going to get for it to not do it. And this is why they're so angry because they, in their hearts, they know this. And what they had, they thought was really important. And it's not, it's not. And uh, Hunter says it's $7 a month for an echo chamber algorithm. No, it's not, dude. I can tell you're not on Twitter. Right, And if you have an echo chamber on Twitter, you're not following the right people and interacting with the right people. So I think that just from a straight ROI standpoint as a business person, I would do that. I don't have to like Elon because we're about to get to my thoughts on Elon so far in a second. All I have to do is say, hey, I reach my people, I protect my people, and I get more business from this. Is that worth $8 in the expense column for marketing? that, By the way, I'm going to deduct from my taxes every year. Yes and and that's then there's going to be other people that just like Twitter and they want it to do well and so they'll say screw it 8 bucks a month yeah you know, right now i have twitter blue anyways 3 bucks a month and it just gives me some extra little things that i can do like edits, so i don't have to delete tweets and shit like that i'm willing to pay for that it's only 5 bucks more so that's that's how that's how i think most you're going to get those two groups and I think the number that we came up with, six million, is low. I think it's very low. I, I would just—it would be interesting to know how many brands are there on Twitter, because it seems like every brand is on Twitter, every single brand. How many influencers are on Twitter? How many podcasters are on Twitter? Like, if you start just doing that basic calculation, and then you add in the people who will do it because they just want to. That's. That's a lot. So I think it's good. Now, is Elon going to plunk out on us? Maybe. But I think that a lot of people, especially on the right, are expecting things to have moved much faster than they have. And they're, they're ignoring all the good shit that's happened. I'm going to show you some good shit that's happened in just a minute. I don't know. I think Elon Musk telling, uh, telling AOC, your, your feedback is acceptable. Uh, thank you for it. Now pay the $8. That alone probably is worth having Elon here. But I noticed immediately my interaction went up the day Elon took over. And I started seeing people I hadn't seen forever, and they started seeing me. And I've also seen it wane back off. I think what's going on is these guys are sucking ass whenever Elon's in the building, and the ones that still have power and control are turning shit back on on the other side as soon as he's not looking. And I think the one guy, Yol or some shit like that, the guy that called uh, Trump a racist tangerine and said that anybody that voted for Trump was a Nazi, he's like their head of integrity, right? This is your head of integrity. I think he's really sucking ass. And I'm going to tell you what he did to suck ass, right? I'm going to tell you, and, and I'll tell you if I understand why it would work. So Elon said flat out before he made the deal we're overpaying. Because you assholes are including way more bots in your user count, and that's what we're buying. We're buying the customer base. And Twitter said, oh, no, oh, no. And I said, when he takes over, he's going to get access to the information, and he's going to open up a lawsuit. There is a lawsuit coming. It's already been telegraphed by Elon on Twitter with screenshots. But this yo asshole... He ran to Elon and said, look, I said that we were doing what you said we were doing in internal communications. He turned over the goods. He's like, uh, what was the guy's name, Renfield for Dracula? Yes, master, that's him now, right? But he's, he's, he's still doing his evil shit whenever he can get away with it. So I think there's a lot of that going on. Elon came out and so said, we're going to have this very diverse group of people who are going to be part of the moderation policy termination, right? And he listed all these assholes who are left-wing assholes. Could he be about to screw everybody over? Yeah. But does it make financial sense to screw everybody over? See, I, they'd be like, put not your faith in a man. Do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? Do you think I'm putting my faith in a man? Are you that thick in the skull? I mean, I don't know, right? Um, I put my faith in business. He's a billionaire technocrat. And then the next thing people are saying, he's going to destroy Twitter. He doesn't know how to make money. Because you know the one thing we do know about people that make billions of dollars? They don't know how to make money, right? Um, I think there might be some level, at least in this, of, well, I tried to work with these ass clowns. And we'll see. Will they continue to be able to blow smoke? I don't know, man. I've heard some pretty deep criticisms about Elon from people that have actually worked for and with Elon. I've never heard he's stupid, he's easy to fool, and you can get away with shit. I've never heard that about the guy. They'd probably like him a lot more if some of those things were true. So I don't know if Elon is going to completely punk out here. But my, my instinct is no. My instinct is no, we will see. And this is an example of why I'm willing to give the man some time and some breathing room to change a company that's a multi-billion dollar company that he just went through all the shit uh, to raise the funds to buy. This is a tweet that the White House put out last week. And let me read it for you because it's a doozy. Seniors are getting the biggest increase in their social security checks in 10 years through President Biden's leadership. So Biden gave you seniors the biggest increase in your social security ever. And then you see this little thing on it? This comes from a thing that they've introduced. And as far as I can tell, this really just started the bird army. The bird army readers added context. They thought people might want to know. Seniors will receive a large Social Security benefit increase due to the annual cost of living adjustment, which is based on the inflation rate. President Nixon in 1972 signed into law the automatic benefit adjustments tied to the consumer price, price index. And then it gives it where that the, the bill number and it gives on the Social Security administration website a link where you can see that it is in fact true. The White House got fact checked. By the bird army. Now, how effective was this? If you go to White House, to the White House Twitter account and you scroll through their shit, it's like it never happened. Except a lot of assholes like me went, that's great. And I bet you're going to do what I think you're going to do. So we took screenshots of it. They went and they deleted that tweet. They deleted it because it was that embarrassing. Basically, Hey, you know, What you're saying is, see here, Pace, Elon is pro-UBI. Puritism doesn't work well for Puritans. I don't advise it for you, right? I don't. And and Elon Musk runs Twitter, not the government. So anyway, um, they deleted it. They deleted their own tweet because they were that embarrassed. I will take this new version of Twitter all day long, and I absolutely want leftists and rightists both doing this. Now I applied to be in the bird army. There's like five requirements you have to have to be in the bird army. And I had like check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark. And then one was basically you couldn't have ever been like smacked around by the moderation team at Twitter. There's a big X there. I applied anyway, they probably won't take me. Um but yeah, uh I want this. I want every time a Republican politician claims credit for something, I want a disclaimer on there saying, well, actually, no. And every time a Democrat does it, I want, well, actually, no. Wouldn't that have been great if we would have had things like when, when uh, the president of the United States with dementia told you that if you got these vaccinations, you would not get sick? Well, actually, here's things from Pfizer's own shit that says that. Wouldn't that have been great? So if this continues, Twitter's a better place. And I I don't expect anybody to make anything perfect. I really don't. How would I run Twitter? You know what? If you don't like it, don't look at it. Say anything you want unless it is legitimately like coordinating a violent attack or something like that. Right? Somebody used a slur. Block them. Be a grown-ass man. Because I'll tell you where all this little temper tantrum tr- tr- uh, bullshit and adults comes from. Back when you were a little kid, I'm going to do some mind reading for you. Back when you were a little kid, boys and girls, there was a time in your life where you ate sandwiches. Mommy made you sandwiches. And you probably didn't like the crust. So Mommy took a butter knife and she cut the crust off the sandwich for you and went, here, little Jimmy, here, little Janie, here's your sandwich with no crust on it, okay? And so life was good. You were a kid, you were eating your toasted cheese with cream of tomato soup on snow days with no icky crust. So one day, Mommy made you a sandwich, and you went, will you cut the crust off for me? And Mommy said, listen, Timmy, listen, Tammy, whatever your name is, you are a big boy and big girl now. You can eat the crust, you can cut the crust off yourself, here's a butter knife, you won't cut yourself with that, or you can eat around it, but mommy's not cutting the crust off you for you anymore, right? There, there was a time, and if it wasn't that, it was something that you liked that mommy or daddy did for you, and they said no more. The people that throw tantrums because they have to read a thing that they can simply not read, never got over that. They still want mommy... To cut the crust off. Well, I don't like what this person says, so I want mommy to make them go away instead of using the feature that's built right into the system. So that's what I would do, but I don't expect that that's what Elon's going to do. I never did. Anyway, all this is interesting, but let's go on to something else. Um, Right now, the Democrats are still shrieking about election deniers, election deniers, and they're already getting ready to deny not just this election, but the one after it, and I found this, um, I found this to be really interesting. That Joe Rogan made this statement. I'm about to have up on the screen and play for you here. I'm just gonna play Joe, and then I'll be right back. The red wave that's coming is gonna be like the elevator doors opening up in The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I think. I think people are just like, "What are you saying?" They're making Republicans. I don't know how they're doing it. It's. I had a family member who is an who's a boomer and a diehard liberal, and they told me when I was home this summer that they would vote for DeSantis, and I'm like, "How did you lose this person? Yeah. How did you lose this person? This is a this is a like go to the ballot and vote blue no matter what, and you've lost even." The, the boomers now, if that was a one off, it wouldn't be that big of a deal, but I'm I'm hearing this from my audience when i when I hear something more than a few times from my my uncle who always voted Democrats is going to vote republican this time um, i'm hearing as much of that as I'm hearing from people saying, you know my, my brother in law or my uncle or my dad or my, my brother or whatever who's a lifelong Democrat and always votes is pissed, but they can't hold their nose and do it. So they're just abstaining and not going at all. I, I, I think I was wrong in my prediction on the Senate map. I said that I think real, I, um, I, I thought I was smarter than real clear politics. And I said, I didn't think Nevada would go. So I added 53 for the Republicans and real clear politics at 54. I think it's going to be 54 or more. I think there's a real potential for some real upset surprises I think you might even see, like, one of the Senate seats that's up in the Northwest. Like, I think there's an Oregon seat and a Washington seat that are close. One of those could go. And I don't think that my life's going to get better. Don't think I've changed my, my opinion on all this. But I do think that there is the thing about voting that it does for us. Who understand that the system is completely manipulated and controlled by the oligarchs. It shows us the mood of the country better than anything else. That's the most valuable thing it does as far as feedback for us. And I think what we have is that that the left, for some crazy-ass reason, really has decided that trans rights (coughs) and attempting to, to push transgendered ideology into our children, drag queen story time, Drag queen stripping for children, etc., is a hill worth dying on. There's a few hills that they're willing to die on, but that's one of them. That's one of them. Um, I think the overall wokeism is a hill that they're willing to die on, not just the trans stuff. I think this idea that you can just keep telling white people they're the problem and be and be pushing racism against white people. Like, you can maybe get away with that with the suburban Karens for a while, but eventually they're going to go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think they're actually talking about me. I think when I say it, I'm actually talking about me too. So I think that's another hill they've been willing to die on, and I I think they're going to get to die on it. And so I honestly feel if you do not get this massive red wave that we all think we're going to get, Assuming it doesn't look like they stole it, because it's not like they wouldn't if they could get away with it. I think it might be too big to counter with the steel. Um, But if we don't, I'm extremely concerned. And I'm not concerned about this from the standpoint of the government itself, the people left behind that don't get fired that should. I'm concerned for the country itself, because if you're making that choice right now, you are mentally defective. If you still believe in democracy, if you still fill out the form and put it into the slave suggestion box, and you vote for in Pennsylvania a man who is mentally incapable of doing the job, as much as I don't care for Dr. Oz, at least the man can do the job, and, 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 it, and you buy into its ableism, right? You're ableist. If you don't vote for uh, Federnak, then there's there's something legitimately wrong with you. Legitimately wrong with you. Uh, and, and I think I could keep going through the individual races, but it's not that important. But I think if you if you don't see a massive swing, then you've taken the temperature of the country at a time when inflation's worse than ever. We're heading into winter with energy short shortage problems. We're gonna get to that in a second. It's not as bad as Tucker Carlson's making it out to be, but it's bad. People are having trouble finding formula for their children. Everybody that's polled basically 60-70% say that they have more confidence in the Republicans to fix these problems than the Democrats. Including Democrats. It's it's way to the other side. You have a border that means nothing anymore. It means absolutely nothing. You have gotten to a situation where law enforcement can do nothing for you but is doing things to you. We've labeled mothers who go to school board meetings and tell the school board, I'm not happy with what you're doing, domestic terrorism's, terrorists. One of the things we found out from this Twitter thing, which is why I even think it's worth going into, is Department of Homeland Security, check this shit out had the ability to log into a portal and do their own censoring on Facebook and Twitter and other platforms. They literally built a portal for them and said, come on in and tell us what you want censored. We'll let you do it. This is highly illegal. If all that shit going on does not result in the people that believe that the system is fixable from countering that, Then you gotta start looking at those plan B passports, folks. I'm serious, like, if that doesn't happen, and again, it's not about, but the government, this is the government. No, I'm talking about the people around you. Government is a disaster. Okay? Our government is a disaster. But what do I teach you about disaster preparedness? You do not, you know, the most likely thing to kill you isn't the disaster. It's the aftermath of the disaster and the way that people behave in that aftermath. Way more people died from shootings and looting and diarrhea from cholera and shit like that during the Haitian earthquake where the Red Cross took a half a billion dollars and did absolutely nothing to help, right? More people died in the aftermath than died because a building fell on top of them, right? So now you're looking at government being a disaster and people doubling down on disaster. Now, I know there's people that are like this is not going to be like a 40 points one side election. Right. It's not going to be like freaking you know, 80, 20 or something like that. I, I I don't expect that, but it should be significant and there should be places where you wouldn't expect it to happen that it does. I think um, uh, Hochul in uh, New York, very likely to lose the governor's race as a Democrat in the state of New York. That's massive. Uh, I think uh, Governor Meemaw uh, Whitmer. Real risk of getting her ass tossed. If you don't see some of those types of things go through, you better start looking at your friends and neighbors. And if nothing else, if it ain't a plan B passport, you better start thinking about different parts of the Republic. Because this shit is very much happening at a state level. And you look at how this plays out, and it will tell you where the most dangerous places to stay for the next 10 years are in our country. This election is that important. It's not important who wins. It's it's what's really important. Who wins where? That's what you need to look. You need to pay attention. And one more time, get out, get out, get out. Uh, next up, I have a link. I'm not going to put it up on the screen, but it's actually from a mainstream source. But I've, I, I, I I dug into it and I consider it a very factual report about this fuel shortage uh, you keep hearing about. We only have 25 days diesel fuel. Have you noticed that we've had 25 days of diesel fuel for a while now? Have you noticed that? Like it was 25 days, like 15 days ago, and it's 25 days now. Do you know do you know how that works? See, we have these places called refineries. They take this stuff called oil and they make it into gas and kerosene, diesel fuel, jet fuel. They they actually make the stuff. They manufacture it. It, it, it doesn't come from a, a, a supermarket shelf. We take a raw material, call it oil, petroleum, and we use it to make various petroleum products, and we manufacture diesel fuel. And it is normal for us to have, let's say, a battery, a reserve capacity of 35 to 40 days' worth of diesel fuel. And when we have 30 to 45 days' 30 to 40 days. Th- sorry, 35 to 40 day- days. And when we have that, you don't see people coming on TV and go, we're going to run out of diesel fuel in 35 days. No, you don't see that. Now, it's lo- it's also lower for the time of year because this is the time we usually ramp up production because we're going into the time of year where it's cold and we need to move more shit and eat more shit and more and more shit. But I don't think that we're going to run out of diesel fuel. I just don't think that's going to happen. Now, does that mean you have nothing to worry about? No, it does not. I think you're going to see extremely higher prices in diesel fuel. One of the things that can happen if diesel fuel gets to be too expensive is some truckers just don't drive or some trucking companies just don't drive or they drive less and or they start charging more. So customers aren't willing to pay so that it made it because there is this thing called supply and demand and cost, right? So if I'm running a trucking company and you want me to move your shit from Pennsylvania to California, and I got a truck sitting out there, I need a load to come back with or something. And I have to make a profit and I might take a, because in trucking, trucking companies do, they'll take a short term loss here and there. Because you gotta keep your customers, but there is a point where you'll say, Well, here's how much it's gonna be. And you're gonna have a situation where stuff gets doesn't get shipped. And there's no this is the bigger problem, there's no plan to fix this right now. The, The president of the United States is he can say, I'm not for stopping the fossil fuels, but he's on tape saying it how many times? We're going to end fossil fuels? I saw another video of him saying that. Maybe he doesn't remember saying it, right? Just like Federnick, I've, I've always been for fracking. I've always been. Well, you said you weren't here, and you weren't here, and you weren't here. And you were, Well, uh, right, but I'm for fracking, right? Like, can't complete the sentence, right? This is part of the plan, and the problem with it is, you can't go, get, I don't care what you think fossil fuels are as far as how bad they are. You can't take the thing that humankind depends on for everything and get rid of it until you have something at least as good of it as it to replace it with. And we don't. There's tons of solutions here, but not, it doesn't matter what they are because none of them are in play. We should be building right now next generation thorium-based nuclear plants. It's probably safer to have a thorium plant near you than a natural gas plant near you. But it's nuclear. You don't understand how it works, and they don't want you to. You know, Dead Rider says, "What? when wasn't the last refinery built in 73? I think it's 78, but you're right. We haven't built a new refinery. But we've expanded and, and what have you, the ones that we have. They definitely can refine more oil than they could in the 70s. There's there's no doubt about that. We are right now refining a million barrels a day less than we were in 2019 at the same time because of some problems, a various group of problems. That may self-correct. It's still a problem. But if you want to get rid of all these nasty fossil fuels for whatever reasons, because – if you want me to defend coal as a source of energy, all I can defend it is is what we got right now, but it's a dirty, 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 dirty fuel. And it's why it's good that we've started to put so much energy production in using natural gas. It, natural gas ain't perfect, but it's, in my opinion, in the total picture, it's 100 times better than coal. A 100 times better than coal why are we, you know, right here, uh, 97 Irish Flyer says thorium salt is the future. Yeah. So why are we denying that? Cause we don't want a solution because what, what makes government perpetuate itself? Problems. You have to start looking at the state as a biological organism and realize that anytime the state would actually shrink in its role in your life, it's, it's dying. Right. And it, now let me think of it as an organism. Think of it as like a, a, a herd, right, or a flock. And so when it shrinks, what that means is part, you know, members of it are dying. Do you want to die? Neither does the state. So if the state brings you an actual solution, their role in your life goes down. So they start to die. They don't like that. Every organism or group of organisms attempts to prolong its existence and its life. We're all what do I say about survivalism? I won't give up the word survivalist because we're all survivalists, as in we're all individuals who specialize in the ability to survive. Because that's what it means. Survival, get wake up tomorrow alive is the one who specializes in. If you don't specialize in survival, you're gonna be dead pretty quick and get run over by a car because you didn't look both ways for you cross the street. Um moving on, more news that sucks. I also have a link for this. Our government, Pentagon, so they would be the people who would know, has confirmed there are U.S. military troops on the ground inside the borders of Ukraine. Now, you don't have to worry, though. See, there's U.S. weapons systems that we sent to Ukrainians. They're just there to inspect them and make sure that the Ukrainians know what to do with them. That's all. Who here's old enough to remember Vietnam? See, I I read about it. I heard about it. I had uncles and the father that were in the war. So I know this story, but I I bet we have some people here even older than me that lived through the period. Maybe you were young, but you were old enough to pay attention to what was going on. And what did we say at the beginning of the Vietnam War and America's involvement. We are only there as advisors. And by the time we found out we were there as advisors, we were actually already engaging on some level in combat. And then we found out about the first American to die there, and we acted outraged by it and led a nation into war from it and from a fake thing called the Gulf of Tonkin incident where our Ships fought with absolutely nothing for a couple hours. We said that they attacked us. The next thing you know, we're embroiled in a conflict that lasts for over a decade. And it was 52,000 or 64, 50-something thousand men. Their name are on that wall in Washington, D.C. that never came up. But here's the thing. When we got involved with that... (laughs) The people on the other side of a conflict was a nation called North Vietnam. They didn't really have any ability to do anything to the homeland. That's another reason we probably shouldn't have been involved with it. This time we're dicking around where the other party in the conflict is a freaking nuclear power. Maybe this is a bad idea, and this is another reason, even though I don't think that the Republicans will do anything to stop this. That I'm, I I would be deeply concerned if the public didn't turn to the Republicans because if you're not going to make a switch now, when are you? You've got your food cost you twice what it used to. Your gas costs you twice what it used to. You have to make a decision between do you heat your house or do you eat this week. And the damn country is headed headwind into a potential nuclear war. And you're like, I think we're doing great. I think we're doing great. Because at least, maybe, possibly, if you believe in the system, there's a chance that we'll pull back a little bit from this nonsense. I I am blown away at how ignorant the average person in this country is today. In some ways, I'm blown away by it, but the other side of it is I'm not, because I know that the way people gained the base knowledge that they have is through our educational system. And I know that the actual education that actually taught people the context of history has been whittled away over time. And I would just put it to you this way. If, you, if you're spending a lot of time in the school system now talking to kids about their gender and not misgendering other people and telling them how bad white people are, uh, and explaining that every single thing wrong in the world is because of taking the indigenous people's lands there. And nothing good whatsoever came from colonialism. It's all bad. 100%. Not, cause I learned there was some bad shit, right? And I learned there was some good shit and then we had to look at history through that lens of the good and the bad. But if, if you're doing the types of things that they're doing now, if you're taking, if you're taking time to teach kids how to use 109 steps to solve a basic math problem that can be solved in three. How much time are you taking to actually teach children what really happened in our history? Or at least our best, our closest guess to what happened in history. Because I think history is written by the winners. And Michael Floyd says it was 58,000 lost in Vietnam. I think it's a little bit more than that, 58,000 and, and a few more. That's what it led to last time. This could be much worse. Way worse. And for what gain? I've had every time I talk about this, I get people in the comments later on in the video, you're wrong about Ukraine. And I'll say, what am I wrong about? Am I wrong about that there's no significant United States interest worth risking a nuclear war? Am I wrong about the fact that the guy that runs the Ukraine banned opposition parties and then claims to be a democracy? Am I wrong about the fact that the majority of the money that we're spending that goes over there doesn't actually do the thing that it's supposed to do? Am I wrong about the fact that we have people starving in America while we send tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine to provoke another nuclear? Wh- which particular part of this am I wrong about? And they never even try to answer that. It's almost like they don't want to. So I'm, I'm, I'm deeply concerned about this for a variety of reasons. Uh, and I also told you guys, when they sent the 101st Airborne over a couple weeks ago, that that was, that was telegraphing, we can hit you. Because that's what that unit is designed to do. That unit is designed to move in, hit, and move back out. That's what the 101's is designed to do. That's what Air Assault Infantry is. That's what it is. And it's also it's symbolic, but symbolic things with saber rattling are done for a reason, And when you send a unit like that into Europe that hasn't been there since World War II, you're rattling that saber, boys and girls. Now, again, I think after the election, some of this saber rattling calms down, but that could be wishful thinking. But if people keep endorsing it, you know what a self-fulfilling prophecy is? Because I I don't think people realize right now when you're on Twitter with your little Ukrainian flag, that's the universal symbol for whatever you read next is going to be stupid, by the way. Like, you're basically saying, yeah, let's continue to provoke nuclear war for a country you probably can't find on a map. What What's always amazed me the most is the people that clamor the most for war tend to never bleed in it. They tend to never bleed in it. They're never the ones that are going to have to go. They're the ones that are going to sit back here while some kid goes and gets his dick blown off before he even really knows what to do with it. That's who clamors for war. That's who cheers it on. You know, I, uh, I mentioned earlier, uh, we had somebody here from, uh, Allentown. I think it was Melissa that I did a show on Allentown. I, the, the, the song. I think a lot of people don't even know what that song's about. I think they kind of get that it's about kind of the, the recession and losing the steel mills in, in, in Eastern PA and all that. Um, but, but a significant part of that war, uh, uh, that song is about the Vietnam War. They threw the American flag in our face when we came back. It, it might be worth listening to. It might be worth doing anything. It might be worth doing anything that involves getting a grasp of recent conflict and history in the world right now. When you watch these people doing this shit, um, now I want to tell you something else though. I I, I talked about this on the Bitcoin breakout, so maybe you're rehearing it for those of you that listen to the Bitcoin breakout episodes. uh, I'm going to do it a little bit differently, though. So if you've heard it, we're going to look at it at a different angle. Uh, And if you didn't hear it, I think this will be a good thing for you. It has nothing to do with Bitcoin. It has to do with the fiat monetary system and its failures. So most people are aware, I think, even if they don't use the word default, that the United States government has defaulted on the currency many times between 1900 and 2022. But it's not a default. It's multiple defaults. So when we switched over to allowing the Federal Reserve to control the monetary system in, in, in 1913 with the Federal Reserve Act, that was in effect a default on the existing monetary system because it gave somebody else, some entity, control. And even though that it was anchored in a gold standard, anchored at a 20 Dollar to ounce gold system, there was still a lot of shitbaggery that could go on. That's why they did it. In 1933, when uh, Roosevelt confiscated the people's gold and rebased it at $33 to an ounce versus 20, that was a default on the currency. We devalued the currency by over 30%. That was the default. In 1964, with the passage of the Coinage Act, where they took the silver out of your change, that was a default. You have to think about the fact that you could actually go buy a significant amount of shit with four quarters in 1960. We look at it today and say, well, it's only a very small part of the currency, but at the time it wasn't. I think the minimum wage when, when this happened was 75 cents or a buck 25. Somebody can check for me. What was the minimum wage in 1965? So, I mean, if if you're talking about you could have literally been paid by the hour in quarters, the quarter was significant, and they took the silver away. And, of course, everybody hoarded the silver coins. Most people, I don't think, are aware of what happened in 1982. They did the same thing to the penny in 1982 with copper and replaced it with zinc. And as I said earlier this week, I was in Catholic grade school in 1982, Little Jack Spearco, little Johnny. I was my, my, my slave name is John. I changed it to Jack on my own, uh because I don't like my slave name. So little Johnny Spearco. Uh he uh see uh a dollar twenty five, that's the number. So when when the silver was demonetized out of your coins, your minimum wage was a dollar twenty five an hour, and people worked minimum wage back then and they actually were able to afford a decent life. You could buy a house back then for about $75 a month, to put it in perspective. So I could have literally paid a part-time worker in quarters at this time. Uh, And they would have been smart to save as many of them as they could. That's what everybody did. Everybody pulled it out. In 1982, I remember we had this little pamphlet that came out, and they presented to us in school, and we're all going to learn. Johnny, we're going to learn how to open a bank account and bring your pennies in. And they said there was a penny shortage a penny shortage. Well, I, I, I I didn't know what the hell that meant. I just knew that we were running out of pennies. So the way to fix running out of pennies is I was supposed to go get all the pennies I can and go put them in the bank. Because when you're in second grade, you're like, if I put them in the bank, they keep them there for me. Just like keeping them in my piggy bank. But all our interest, don't give me one penny for every hundred pennies every couple of years or something like that. You don't know. You're young. You're kid. So all the kids ran and got their pennies. Now, this is right as they were making the change from copper to zinc. So almost all the pennies that came back, right, and went into the banking system were solid copper pennies. Gresham's law in reverse, the state sucking up the pennies. And then I found out later in my little life why, absolutely why, they did this and why there was a penny shortage. And it was that pennies had gotten valuable enough, Pennies have gotten so valued, people were melting pennies because the copper was worth more than the penny. So you had a compounding problem. The mint, it was costing them more than the value of the penny to make a penny. And at the same time, people were junking pennies. And they're breaking the law by junking pennies. But, you know, once you melt copper, you melt the copper. And copper's not really that hard to melt. So we got through this. They started making the currency out of zinc. The cost of making a penny went way, way down so they could churn it out. And people honestly as copper kind of like, because you have to understand 19, early 1980s, the whole metal market went eight shit. A group called the Hunt Brothers. Many of you don't know this. It's weird that I know this considering how young I was, but my dad was always into this shit and telling me about it. And never, so that's the thing. Never think you're talking too high to get through to your kid's head. Because I remember this. So the Hunt brothers decided they were going to corner the silver market. So they went in and tried to take over the silver market. It had an effect across the entire space of the metals market. And it drove copper and gold and other metals up higher. So this made it worse. So it ends up coming to be a point where um, you can melt it and you can make a little bit, but not enough for it to be worth it anymore. Everybody kind of forgot about it. The Reagan revolution came. The decade of decadence known as the 80s came. People weren't trying to get by by melting pennies anymore. And so everybody just kind of forgot about it and went on with life, and they replaced your copper penny with zinc. You might think this is not really a big deal. But what what do you guys think 100 pennies, 1981 or older, without cheating and using the tool I'm using right now are worth right now? So 100 pennies is worth a dollar, face value. But what do you think the metal value of a 100 copper pennies is right now? And the answer is $2.27. Every penny that says 1981 or older on it, and about half the pennies that say 1982 on it, is worth about twice its value. It's actually worth about 2.2 cents. 2.2 cents per penny. So what do you think a zinc penny is worth today? What do you think a zinc penny, what do you think a hundred zinc pennies are worth as metal, like just a pure metallic value? The answer is 71 cents. A zinc penny has 0.7 cents of material value. That's not what they were shooting for, folks. And when they did it originally, when they originally did this, it was costing them about like a, a, a fraction of a tenth of a cent to make a cent in, in base material value. So between 1982 and 2022, was that 40 years? 40 years, guys. In that period of time, inflation has now caused the zinc to almost come up to face value. Now what happens when the cost of zinc doubles from here? You're back to where we were in 1982 with the cost of production. Now, I think what they'll do is they're going to go to digital anyway. Coinage will be gone. But I I think that it's important maybe to look at this and understand that in 1982, the United States defaulted off the copper standard in the U.S. cent. That's kind of crazy. And that they're in a position now, and we already have been where zinc's been higher than it is right now, where it costs more to make a penny than a penny is worth just a material, not alone energy. And so, what this tells you is the tale of fiat currency. Fiat currency will always eventually go to zero and have to be restarted, some new system. And that's what the faults are. When they go to win, when they defaulted on the copper in your penny, we kind of knew the end was near, if we were paying attention. And Ghuli, I just want to say thank you for the ten dollar super chat. I really appreciate that. Uh, that's something that anybody that's watching on YouTube can do. And of course, you can also, uh, you can send me value for value on the Fountain Network and what have you as well. So please consider doing that. So we defaulted on copper in 1982, silver in 1964, gold multiple times 71 and 33 and in a way 1913. I just wonder what kind of country we would have if that was standard education for children instead of the bullshit that the government just makes more money. So there's no reason you can't have all of the money and all of the things we live in a world. We live in a world where we, we have failed to learn the most fundamental lesson of economics. You can have abundant everything if you have scarce money. You have an abundant anything if you have scarce money, because if money is, is, the visible like it needs to be, letter, tinier pieces of money will buy more and more stuff. But if you have abundant money, then it is spent recklessly with abandon. You get your decade of decadence, YOLO, the eighties and the nineties, right? In the roaring 2020s, cause that's what we're heading for. Right? Yeah, I know you think it's going to be bad. It is, but it's still going to be the roaring 2020s. The value of everything goes down, but the cost of everything is up. And if you print enough money, sooner or later, you start the whole band again, maybe for its final act. You don't know. But you're going to end up destroying resources. You're going to end up destroying resources. Absolutely. Anyway, last thing that I want to talk to you about today is I did fire a customer yesterday, and I'm not venting. I just want you guys to know that this is how I handle things. So I got an email from a dude, and he said, hey, uh, my MasterCard is about to expire, and I need to change my payment method on uh, the uh, the membership, and I can't see how to do that in, in your membership program. And I said, yeah, you know, the software that we use, there's a, a, a problem somewhere that we can't figure out how people are doing it, but if we let people self-manage their accounts, then what happens is they, uh, they are somehow figuring out how to buy a new membership before their last membership's over, and it creates double billing, billing, and they get really mad. And so a couple times a month, I have to fix that. So I explained to him why. I said, so we just had the basically, it says back there, if you need any customer service, email me, and we'll take care of it for you. So I can, and I gave him several options. I said, I can just cancel your account and refund it uh, and let you renew with your new card. Uh, I offered him a discount. I said, do you want to go? Cause he was doing monthly. So this guy spent like 15 bucks with me, right? So he's a baller, man. I owe him big. I owe him for his 15 bucks, right? So he, I, I said, I'll, I'll give you 35 bucks a year since you had to go through this. Uh, let me know what you would like to do and I'll, and I'll help you. And he came back and he started attacking me. I'm not a real permaculturist and I, I'm not a real Bitcoiner because I have, I have centralized his membership, right? I central. It's freaking my, Thing that I, of course, it's a centralized service to you, moron. And so I don't even know what he wrote because I read like two sentences of it and I realized that my IQ was literally starting to hurt and go down. So I just emailed him back and said, It's not a problem anymore. You're fired as a customer. I have refunded your recent charge and I have deleted your account. You do not qualify for my time because every second I spend with you, you're taking from somebody who matters. Bye. Good luck. Boom. Sent. And of course he had to email back. He had to email. He couldn't just go away, right? So he, he, he sent me an email. Again, I couldn't read it all because it was written like a toddler wrote it with his diaper. Um, but he was telling me about how it is, you know, it's against the law in Canada for you to do what you did. I don't give two shits what Canadian law is, right? Canadian law says I can't have this either. Tell your prime minister to come get it from me, dickhead, right? No, I don't give a shit what Canadian law says about how I have to run a website hosted in the United States. I don't care. Do You tell those guys to go figure out how to deal with nunchuck first. Some of you know what I'm talking about with that, right? So I fired this guy. And, and the reason I bring this up is not just to kind of pick on him a little bit or vent for you guys. It's so that you know this is what I do. Not because I'm threatening you, because I'm promising you I will always do it. I'm promising you that I will never take the time to try to make a person like that happy that could be spent working on this podcast and making it better for you. Or handling your customer service issue, because I do it all. I do all the customer service. I handle everything. I do everything. The editing, I do everything. My wife books guests and acts as my PA for like appointments and stuff like that. When it comes to producing the show, I do 100%. If this was a restaurant, I would be the sous chef, the head chef, the prep chef, the cook, the waiter and the busboy for you. That's what I do. And that means I do not have the time to deal with some so- self-important adult adolescent child. And what I really want to talk about here, final thing, is this this concept of adult adolescence. And I think when you say it, people think that you're just basically saying the person's behaving like a child, and it's just a childish act. No, I think it's an actual epidemic, a pandemic, a global pandemic of adult adolescence. And I want to do a whole show about this when I get back from the workshop that's going to take up all of next week, and I come back, maybe... Well, Tuesday will be a Bitcoin show, then an interview. Maybe Thursday of the week that I come back, we're going to go deeper into this subject. Adult adolescence is the result of the acceptance of the concept of adolescence itself, which is a modern thing. It really came about in the 1900s. This is the, the Johnny didn't get over having to cut his own crust off his own freaking sandwich. That's what this is. I want everything done my way. And if you don't do it my way, you're wrong. And I'm going to go tell Justin Trudeau that you're breaking Canadian law as an American. as so though I give a shit. Like, who says? Like, I, that's why I couldn't read the whole email. Like, as soon as I realized what he was saying, like, oh, I did delete. I just, I actually did email him back. I said, I said you were fired. Are you confused? Send. Right? He's probably listening to this. That'd be great. I'd love it if you were here, dude. you come defend your stupidity. Uh, but you don't qualify for my time. Space Girl says, thank you, Jack, for flying horrible customers. We are better off for your actions. I want you to do that in your own businesses. If a customer costs you more than they're worth, they're costing your other customers more than they're worth. Okay? It's not fair to your other customers that you deal with these people. But it is this adult adolescence phenomenon. And so we ended up, We this is how things used to work. Go look at the Revolutionary War. Look at the ages of men who commanded units... In the Revolutionary War. You'll find ages like 17, 18, 21. Go look at the age of the average man at the time they signed your Constitution. How old they were. And the reason was simple. The reason was simple. Your job as a young boy, your job as a boy was to go from boy to man. Period. Period. And I'm sure there was a, a, a concept of, he's not quite there yet, but he's becoming a man. But that's what it was. It was, he's a boy becoming a man. He's a boy becoming a man. He's a boy. And it was like a little closer, a little closer. We recognize this person as a man now. He's now a man and we expect him to behave like a man. And in this world of soft ass wusses, we introduce the concept of adolescence. He's not really a man yet. He's 24. If he's not a man, something's wrong. And girls to women, it was the same. Your job, grow up. Your job as a parent, help them grow up. That doesn't mean stealing their child. It doesn't mean as quickly as possible, but it's, it's a gradient. How close are you? And damn it, there better be a point where if you don't fly, get out of the nest, bitch, go. You'll figure it out. We took that away. We took away our rituals. We took away our rituals. Where I grew up, when I shot my first buck, all the older men that I hunted with, all my uncles, my great uncles, their friends, my grandparents, I was a different person to them after that moment. It was okay. Put food on the table for his family. Drug the deer out himself. They stood there and watched me drag that deer There was one last little lift where it was just physically impossible. They helped me get it up over, and then they all sat back and drank coffee and watched me drag that deer to the truck. Why? Because I was expected to do it. We lost, and I don't care what the ritual is, we lost that. In Africa, I can't remember what tribe it is, but there's a tribe that when the boy turns 14, the men come take the boy from the hut. And they have a ritual and nothing bad's going to happen or anything like that. It's not like they go beat him up and throw him off a cliff. And if he makes it back up the cliff, he gets to stay in the tribe. It's just kind of more, they sing songs and they tell stories and he becomes a man. It would be equivalent to like a bar or bar mitzvah for, for a Jewish young person, right? But when the men come to take the boy, the mother is afraid for the boy and doesn't want him to go because she knows he's coming back. Changed. That's a ritual that matters they've stolen this from us and they've they've made multiple generations of boys walking around in man's bodies and the boy in the man's body is dangerous it's he has all the strength and the potential to do violence as a man being a man isn't about being violent it's about knowing that you can be violent when necessary and exercising the discipline to refrain from violence until necessary. I am not a, I am not a dangerous, I am a peaceful person. And if you want to understand what I mean by that, what makes me peaceful is I am capable of violence, and I know I'm capable of violence, and I choose not to use violence unless it's necessary. If you are incapable of violence, then you are not peaceful. You are harmless. You are domesticated. And that's what we're looking at. And that's why you see this outlashing of violence from young men at the same time they're becoming weaker and weaker. You're watching them be domesticated. I'm sure when we domesticated the first horses, a lot of people got the shit beat out of them by horses. It still happens. But it's a lot less likely. Maybe a better way to look at it is the dog. I'm sure as we were domesticating like the first wolves and coyotes and shit, a lot of handlers got their hands eaten off. And now the dog lays on his belly and you pet him and it snuggles up with you in bed and you wears a diaper and goes in your purse. There was a transitional period in there. If we let these assholes continue with what they're doing to our young men and young women by putting them in a stasis of childhood, It's domestication and all of it. If you're confused, why, why would they start talking to five-year-olds about gender? What do you do? So that a male pig doesn't run around humping everything and it stays nice and placid and it doesn't get bore taint in it. You cut off his balls. What do you do when you domesticate a species? You spay and neuter all but the breeders. Are you really that confused about what they're doing by creating the stasis of adolescence? They're creating a domesticated species. They're trying to domesticate the human. So watch what we're going to talk about next Thursday, next Thursday when I get back. Feral humans and what we need to do to reclaim being feral humans. And what we need to do to grow little feral humans into little feral, into, into young, feral adults? What can we do to reclaim our rituals? What can we do to reclaim the concept that you're a man now because you did provide for your family, so now you're expected to? Doesn't that sound like a better world to live in? Where instead of a kid trying to figure out how he's going to get the next level in a game, he starts worrying again about putting food on the table? Well, as long as I'm going to live at home in my parents' house, I'm going to help pay the bills. And I'm going to try to get out of here and into my own place however I can in a way that makes sense with a good transition and help my parents as I do that. Instead of, hey, mom, thanks for spending 20 grand a year to send me to Columbia. Is that spot in the basement still open? I can't find my ass a job. Don't blame these people doing it. It's not their fault. You see the guy that had a freaking mental shutdown at Starbucks this week, sitting on the floor in the break room, and he was just devastated that he had to work two full-day shifts in a row. He had to work eight hours a day, Saturday and Sunday, and it was inhuman. Don't blame him. Don't blame him. The reason that your dog... Doesn't run down the road and kill shit is because you trained him not to. The reason our young, our young men don't actually turn into men is because they've been trained not to. They're being domesticated. You are being domesticated. You're being domesticated. And our little friend who threw a hissy fit about Canadian law for websites is domesticated. He's domesticated. He threw a tantrum because he was domesticated. Anyway, with that, guys, I need to wrap things up. I appreciate you guys tuning in. Remember, there's yummy links down in the video down there that you can use. They're also going to be on the audio side, or if you're listening to the audio, you can go to the Survival Podcast. Look up episode 3197. I know I said it at the beginning. I'm going to say it again at the end. If you're not using the fold card, you need to get the fold card. Use my yummy links. Use my sign-up link, and you will get – The day you sign up for the card, you'll get 20,000 free sats. I'll get 10. Uh, If you like this show and work that I do, please consider supporting us on Fountain. We've been up at the top of the charts quite a bit lately. I looked this morning. We're down to, like, number 12. Adam Curry's back in number one position. I want you guys to help me get back up there. If you think I'm giving you value for value, you know, remember, if you you, you send me 5,000 sats, it sounds like a lot. It's a buck. The way value for value works, you listen to the content. You decide what you think the content's worth. You pay what you think it's worth. And remember I said, I got that from Adam Curry, by the way. A podcaster like me is you go to the restaurant and they do everything from seat you at the table to wash the dishes at the end. That's what we do. And if you think it's worth a buck or two, hey, help push us back to the top of the fountain chart so we get more people in the community. And last but not least, I don't have an item of the day for you today. Remember, I'm gone starting after tomorrow for the whole week for the workshop. Stuff is coming out. For those of you coming to the workshop, it will be out either this afternoon or tomorrow uh, about some of the things that we're going to be doing and maybe a few things you might want to bring with you uh, and some info on the barter blanket and all that as well. So tune in for that. And you can help support the show by being a member or by doing your online shopping starting at tspaz.com. Again, thanks to everybody that hung out with me in the chat today. I will catch you uh, tomorrow with the Expert Council Q&A show. Of the week.